edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got some news to get into um, on both basketball and football fronts. We'll touch on that first, and then we'll get into our regular um, weekly preview of the upcoming opponent, of course, this week being the Michigan Wolverines. We'll talk about the Wisconsin offense. Of course, the defense, players to watch, same sort of uh, Basis and outline that we've been doing for each of the uh, past few weeks as Wisconsin gets ready for another big contest in Camp Randall against the Michigan Wolverines. In the back half of the show, we have Anthony Broom of Maize and Brew on the show. Uh, he's been on the last few years to discuss and give us an insider look uh, on the Michigan Wolverines. Always does a great job um, in that regard. Always enjoy talking to him and getting that an insider and honest look um, at the Wolverines. I think Badger fans, who I'll give you a little teaser. He um, he says he there's some hope for Wisconsin Wisconsin fans in maybe winning this game. So at least we're getting an insider prediction that maybe things aren't all bleak and doom and gloom as it feels right now. So we'll get into all of that. But before we do that, we've got to announce our uh, sponsor once again with Home Field Apparel. Um, if you guys remember, uh, a few months back they were doing their big noon Saturday uh, kickoff. They had a Wisconsin line that uh, they sponsored our podcast for the week as they rolled out that new line of merch. And they're back once again to sponsor our podcast. So make sure to go check them out over at homefieldapparel.com. They just wrapped up Big Noon Saturday Season 2, I believe their last school. They do a new school each week. Um, I believe it's been going for the last 16 weeks. The latest school was the USC Trojans. Um, So make sure to go check that out, guys. They dig through the archives of some really cool retro logos. Um, to find some um, really cool T-shirts and sweatshirts and crew necks to put together. Like I said, um, they just dropped USC. They've got Wisconsin in there. They have Michigan in there. They had LSU, Notre Dame, all sorts of schools for this past season. I've said it a couple times on this show. What Probably the softest T-shirts and sweats I own. Um, I was looking through the closet today of just which one to throw on. It's, it's, per- it's that perfect time of year, football weather, taking the dog outside throw on your home field hoodie and be good to go on your morning walk. So make sure to check them out once again at homefieldapparel.com. All right, Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. Yeah, no, I, I think home field, great stuff. Um, have a bunch of their um, gear and just really go check them out. But, but overall, I'm just excited because this is another opportunity to see what this Badger team is. And I, I'm glad that it's actually against a really good team, like or at least on paper a really good team be, instead of um, a team like Eastern Michigan where we clearly saw, did, weren't able to see much of anything from um, this team. Instead, we're thrown right back into another top 25 matchup, um, even though the Badgers aren't there. Michigan clearly is at number 14. So I think this is a good test for the Badgers. Badgers and a big opportunity for hopefully them to right their wrongs. Yeah, no time to rest on what was a, a poor performance this past Saturday. Uh, put it to bed and hopefully move on to a huge, uh, another top 25 matchup, as you said. Before we get into that contest, a little bit of news to get to on the basketball front. You guys, you want to give a rundown to the listeners on what's been going on over there? 
Yeah, so um, if, if, if people are averse to getting uh, uh, a kick to the special parts right now, uh, um, <laughs> buckle up, um, because the basketball team also lost out on a huge recruit. Braden Huff, uh, one of their top prospects, they've been on him for a long time. Um, there was crystal ball activity in favor of the Badgers. Uh, he, he ended up committing to Gonzaga. I mean, it's hard to um, fault a kid for, for doing that. He, he is out of Illinois, so Wisconsin was a little bit closer. But at the same time, the development and the play of Gonzaga the past few years is hard to beat. So I think you're looking at a kid really talented, uh, big loss for the Badgers in that um, 2022 class. However, um, I do think now it is interesting that they're going to be able to roll probably a scholarship over to the 2023 group, an extra one, um, and just in the nick of time because they do have um, another Illinois kid, Owen Freeman, coming in this weekend for an official visit. Um, and that's been out there for a while that he was planning to do that. Uh, 6'10 power forward, got some really good offers. So this isn't a layup that the Badgers um, have. He, he is very talented and would be a really good addition. Fits Wisconsin's scheme almost perfectly, given his ability to go inside and out. Um, but he's taking an official visit for this weekend. They've got a couple other younger players that are going to be on unofficial visits as well. Um, so I, I think this is a big weekend for for Greg Gard and his staff to hopefully make a move in Freeman's recruitment and some of the younger 2024 guys. Um, hopefully they can get off on the right foot as um, basketball season is just around the corner here. It's, it's so close. I know Drew was messaging about some of our uh, preseason basketball stuff, and it's hard to even wrap your head around um, what, se- what that season will be when you're so entrenched in what's going on with football. But, of course, a tough blow on the, the Braden Huff front of player, like you mentioned, crystal ball activity for the Badgers. Um, seemed like a really good fit, but when Gonzaga comes to calling, it's hard to uh, turn that offer down. And, and with where Wisconsin's at, uh, it's certainly hard to fault a kid uh, to going out west and, and playing there. So a lot of activity for the basketball team going on right now. As like you mentioned, that season will be tipping off before you know it, and the college basketball season will be underway. We've also got some football news to touch on. A, a four-star running back, Jaden Ott, was offered out of the 2022 group. He is out of Norco, California, previously a commit to Cal, uh, recently decommitted from them. Right now there is a crystal ball prediction in there for Oregon. A lot of West Coast teams involved in him, um, but uh, most of the teams on his 247 page listed as cool, but a, a very strong offer list of Oregon, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Georgia, um, USC, UNLV, Utah, and of course Washington State, and then um, Wisconsin recently getting involved there. Makes a ton of sense to throw out an offer for a player like that when you think about the situation with the Wisconsin running back room right now, of course, with two um, running backs from the previous classes, of course, being dismissed, and Antoine Roberts and Loyal Crawford. So certainly going to be looking for bodies there. Um, very good offer list, a four-star kid, so it makes a, a ton of sense for Wisconsin to be in on that. What do you uh, think of that offer? I love it. I think you look at his film and it really pops. He's a very fast uh, and, and twitchy athlete. Um, he he kind of glides in a long strider when he's going, but he runs and he can really rip off some big plays, which I think is is something that this team desperately needs at times. Um, that Oregon crystal ball is from uh, a long time ago. I think it was like 20, okay, 2020, perfect. 2019. Um, so I, I think the biggest thing right now is – Nobody really knows what the competition is for this kid just based off of he's been committed since July. 
has a, a boatload of offers on the table immediately. Teams have started to fill up over the summer, so you wonder who's all interested. He recently picked up another offer from USC as well um, after he decommitted, so it'll be interesting to see how um, involved the Trojans are, but they've got a lot of things going on um, in the back end there. I think this is an offer that I, I like a lot. I, I hate not taking a running back, a wide receiver, a quarterback, anything offensive in, in those three spaces. You need athletes year in and year out just because you don't know how you're going to get hit with the injury bugs, um, um, just, just roster turnover in general, as well as um, the if guys don't pan out. I mean, we've seen what's going on at quarterback right now, and I've brought that up so many times. But I think that this is a nice offer, and I, I do think this is the right move to get involved with a, a talented running back. And, and hopefully they can close him out because I do think that he is a difference maker. And he, he brings something a little different to this room that they don't have in terms of a home run threat. And um, he's not very big, but at the same time, he's got wheels and quickness that you just can't teach. And I think that this team could, could desperately use. Yeah, you, you certainly are looking for bodies there, but you also want to make sure that you're still still bringing in you know players with um, some serious talent. He looks to be a, a kid that has that um, highly rated, and, and like you mentioned, you want to take some of these guys in, in every sort of class with the numbers being a little bit down in terms of that running back room with all that uh, off-field situation. It, it makes a ton of sense to hop into a player that seems like right now recruitment um, is pretty wide open, and hopefully Wisconsin can give them give him – their best pitch as they move forward here with this 2022 group. All right. With that, you ready to get into this uh, Wisconsin-Michigan matchup? Let's do it, man. All right. Let's start, I guess, on the uh, that uh, that Wisconsin offense that we love to talk about. Of course, last week, a, a tough week for the offense and, and everyone involved. I know this week has hopefully been a chance for them to clean some of that stuff up. Um, a lot of turnovers, we all know. We, I don't think we need to dig too far deep into this, but they'll be going against a, a Michigan defense that has looked pretty good, of course, led up front by a player by the name of Aiden Hutchinson, banged up last year, but has turned, came back to Michigan and been just an absolute freak for them. Um, really, the, I think Michigan um, defensively has been pretty good at every level. Like, they don't do anything, like, Amazing. They they don't stand out in just one area. I think all three levels of them under this new defense has been pretty solid across the board. So, given that, given what Wisconsin and the struggles has been, where do you think this offense just attempts to go against once again another really solid Michigan defense? I think they can run the ball on this team. You look at it, rush defense. They're 60th in the country, 10th in the Big Ten. Um, last year, the, the Badgers just absolutely gassed them. Um, on the ground, and and I know that this is not the exact same team as it was last year, but you look at this and you have to think if you can do some of those things well, you should be able to move the ball on them. Um, we know that right now the biggest thing is turnovers. Wisconsin is 130th out of 130 teams in terms of turnover margin, which is just a disastrous recipe um, at at negative two two point three three per game. That's like, that's crazy to even think about, especially when you consider the fact that against Eastern Michigan, they only had the one, right? So, like, you're really looking at quite a few turnovers in the biggest games, and Michigan on the other end is plus one. So I think the the big thing for the Badgers is not turn the ball over. And I know that's simple because given the quarterback situation, um, it's not quite as simple, but – 
I think this offensive line is going to have their chance a chance for redemption and maybe can move the ball. Last year, the Badgers really uh, killed Michigan with the jet sweep a lot. Um, they had 341 yards on the ground total, 105 by wide receivers on jet motion. We haven't seen it a lot this year. I'm hoping they bring it back because you need to test this team horizontally um, and, and try to get, get players out of the box. And um, that's been killer for this offensive line. Uh, but, but really, I, I just think that this is more about can Wisconsin do anything? Can they have a pulse on offense to have a shot to beat Michigan? That's the biggest thing for this offense is just do the simple things and, and do them well and execute and don't turn the ball over. Yeah, I think that's that's the huge part is don't turn the ball over. Just try and, and hold on to it long enough to at least give your yourself a fighting chance and, and try not to put that strong unit, that defensive unit that's been so good in, in negative situations because I think if you can do that, you know, you can certainly – um, hang on and stay competitive in this game. I I, I like what I've I, I was looking at stats and and seeing what Cade McNamara um, has done for Michigan. You know, been a guy that's completed 62% of his passes and and not turned the ball over. Three touchdowns, zero interceptions. I think if you look at Wisconsin's offense, you'd sign up for that in a heartbeat based on where they're at right now because you're likely looking at this team being three and zero. Um, if they get some some sort of production similar, even close to that, even um, would, would be a huge mark for them. So I do agree with you. I, I think the running game can be there. I'm interested to see where we're settled at with the offensive line. I know it's, again, I, I think both you and I have a voice that we're a little frustrated with this now probably going into, you're going to be going into week five and I'd venture to guess that you're going to see a good amount of, of rotation at the at the offensive line positions once again, which I don't think is a recipe that we've – I think we both agreed that this isn't really a recipe that's going to work. So does that hinder the run game? And then, like you said, can you find any semblance of a pulse to at least move the ball, keep yourself at least in, in manageable positions to hopefully strike? Because I think we both know this game is going to be some sort of rock fight, but can Wisconsin – Hang us, hang around, and put enough, put up enough points to at least keep themselves in the game and and try and win this and pull this out is really going to be the storyline. I don't know if there's one sort of X and O thing you can point to to really that's going to be the key. It's just going to be a matter of hanging onto the ball and trying to do enough um, to, to keep them really in this game. Yeah, I think if you're looking at X's and O's, it's do the bat like can a quarterback for the Badgers whether it's Graham Mertz, Chase Wolf, Danny Vandenboom, name them, right? Can can they do enough in the passing game and and do enough in, in in getting the ball to the backs to help this team move the ball and consistently do it and not limit this team because that's been the the really just the Achilles heel of this team all year long is the the limitations of the quarterback position, whether it be in terms of the playbook, whether it be in terms of footwork, whether it be in terms of getting the ball and spreading it out to to weapons. What do you think right now is the chances that we see a quarterback not with the number five on at, at some point in this Michigan game? Um, I would think right now it's at least going into it. I, I think it's relatively low, but if you are – if you're having the same sort of turn, if you're turning the ball over left and right once again, I think at that point you're forced to at least make a switch. I know everybody, you look at Chase Wolf, I believe 12 career pass attempts, three of them have been picked off. So 
it's not it's not all of a sudden going to be that much better. But I think just for if it gets to be that situation, and please God, let's hope it doesn't get to that point again. But at some point, if the ball just continually ends up in Michigan's hands, you almost have to make a switch just to sit Graham Mertz down and say, just to give him a breather, get some confidence, because I think last week the end there might have really hurt his chances to develop further and and maybe just maybe dug them a little bit deeper of a hole. So I don't think it'll happen because I can't imagine these turnover numbers are going to continue. I have to hope and pray that these things are going to get cleaned up but we still have to see it. So I'd say going in relatively low, but that percentage will skyrocket if, if Wisconsin is, is you know, being careless with the football. So where would uh, what, what number would you put it at? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it's, it's low going into it, but, I, but at the same time, I agree. If, if there's – I mean, even if it's like a turnover, like an early turnover, I just don't see a situation where you, where you can just keep rolling with Mertz. I think just – for the team continuity sake, you have to make a switch and you have to try something different. Um, no matter who you're putting out there in that situation, just because it, it, you 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 run the risk of losing your locker room in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Just where, like, think of any other player, right? Like, think of Fayon Hicks in that game last weekend. If he had gotten burnt on on, on a bunch of passes, wasn't wasn't playing well he probably wouldn't be out there, right? Like Deron Harrell sure hasn't been playing a whole lot lately after he was burnt quite a bit early um, in that 2019 season. So you look at it as if there is going to be accountability at other positions, there needs to be it at the quarterback position too, even if you're going to a guy who's probably not going to do anything better, right? Like even if that guy maybe even gives you a less chance to win the game, it sends a message at this point when you're – looking down the barrel of one and three, you got to try something. And if Wolf knows the whole playbook and, and Mertz is still struggling, you got to try it. You got to try something different. Or even if it's Danny Vandemoom, I mean, dude's been in the program now for five years. Um, so you would hope that that's, that point is down as well. So I, I'm interested to see how quick that hook is or if there is one at all. But, but I do think that if, if things are going south quickly, I think it, you have to make some sort of attempt at, attempt at a change. Yeah, I think I think last week the the hook it's it was clear it wasn't in play. I think this coming into this week, it's the the chances are low right now, but the hook is very much going to be looming over Camp Randall Stadium if things go uh, completely haywire once again. And, and I think you make a great point about the locker room and accountability that goes a, a long ways. Um, in the rest of the season. I mean, we are still very early in this thing, and there's time to right the ship, but uh, you can't continue to have the offensive play that you've had uh, throughout these first three weeks. All right, <laughs> now that that's out of the way, uh, talking about this Wisconsin offense, let's transition a little bit to this Wisconsin defense. Um, going to be going up against probably the best test that they've faced yet this season in terms of a rushing attack, Michigan. Uh, a very strong run offense, ran the ball, I believe, on 74% of their plays. So you know they're going to, to try and run it, but they're going to be going up against their biggest test as well, um, A, on the road for the first time this season, but against a, a Badger defense that uh, currently ranks second, or first in, term, first in total defense, second in rushing defense. I personally expect this defense to completely do the same thing. I, I don't think um, – 
while I do think this Michigan attack is, is much better than what they were last year because of, again, you can't really read all that much from last year, but I don't know if they've quite faced a Wisconsin defensive line and defensive front like this. So I personally think it's going to be a recipe of taking away the run and making Cade McNamara, who hasn't had to throw a ton, beat you in this game. So that's at least where I think it's going to end up being the, the matchup that you watch for. But how do you think the, the Badger defense approaches um, this matchup with Michigan? Absolutely, man. They're just going to sell out on the run and make Cade McNamara beat them. Like, I, I think that's the recipe. You look at it, and, and that's what Rutgers did. And Rutgers does not have the defense that the Badgers have, and they held Michigan to 2.9 yards a crack. Uh, on the ground. So it's not like this team has put up the gaudiest numbers when there's been an, an, a little bit better competition. Um, so I, I think that Wisconsin's defense will keep them in this game um, as much as they humanly can um, and, and be able to stop the run. I, Blake Corum has, has really had a solid year this year, and I think he's a phenomenal talent that can do a lot of really good things. But like you mentioned, this, this is a team in Michigan that has – only played at home, and has really taken advantage of, of Western Michigan, Northern Illinois. Um, I mean, that Washington game um, was not pretty either. But but really, I think their two-headed monster of Corum, Haskins, is going to get fed quite a bit. But I, I do think that Jim Leonard is, is going to try to make Cade McNamara beat them. Um, and, and he's shown that he can move the ball through the air, and they do have some weapons even after um, Bell went down with the injury, I think there's still talent in that room, but it's still one of those things where I think you trust your secondary here and you have to just sell out to stop this running game and say, hey, what do you, what else do you got, Michigan? Yeah, I think that's the, the only way to do it. You know, you look at this, this you have that strength in, in your pocket of this run defense, and you're going against a quarterback that has played well in in the limited role he's done, but you're stepping into, I think that the biggest advantage is you're stepping into a stadium that is going to be no longer in your favor. It's it's a huge comfort to play in the big house, but playing in Camp Randall, it's a completely different story. We've seen it despite last year, of course, last year, Wisconsin won in Ann Arbor in a, in a weird type of game. But this series that's been going on, you know, since you know 2016, the home team has, has fared very well in these contests. So I think that's part of the reason why you're seeing even the Badgers, despite their poor play, being a, a slight um, favorite as you start, uh, as you get into later in the week. So I think you're going to sell out against the, the, the strength that they've had, and it's really going to come down to, for both defense or both offenses, which quarterback is able to make some plays. And so far, Gabe McNamara has made the plays he's been asked to, but uh, I'm sure Michigan fans are going to need to see something more as the competition and the tests get a little bit bigger. So I'm, I'm thinking that um, Wisconsin is going to be the same thing. I mean, last week they went into this game, completely shut down the run, took away Kyron Williams, and made the, the various Notre Dame quarterbacks beat them. And, and for three quarters, Wisconsin kept it pretty well unchecked. It's just a matter of can they finish out that fourth quarter, which, of course, we talked about last uh, episode, is something that has not done very well for the Badgers. So, until we, so we've really just got to see it. It's no more... There's no more um, other things other than that. You just need to see it unfold on the field for a full 60 minutes. Absolutely. This The Badgers have lost two out of their last three at home, right? Camp Randall was a place that was one of the tougher places to play in the country. 
And and it hasn't been even this year. Like you look at it, the fans have come out and and been loud, been active, been there early for both games. So this is this is something that this is a pride game in a lot of ways for this Badger team. Uh, and and I think that really if if they come out flat and if they don't play well in this game, it's it's going to be really frustrating for a lot of fans, and even more frustrating I should say for a lot of fans um, when you consider the fact that. They're doing their part. Fans are doing their part, um, and and really the defense is doing their part. And you just gotta hope that this offense can can just get things going because I do think that this defense for Badgers is extremely good and is gonna be able to to keep them in this game throughout. I just think Jim Leonard's got this team or this defense rolling at a point where um, there's not as much to worry about, especially when they're the number one ranked rush defense in the entire country. And now it's just a matter about the other phase of the phases of this game. Speaking of that, with with the matchups that you're going to see from both sides of the ball, what is maybe a key matchup or thing you'll be watching for as you uh, approach Saturday? I mean, number one is just turnovers. But but the the main thing for me is can the Badgers' offensive line keep Aiden Hutchinson from making the big play? Because we look at it, and Mertz has had some some crucial fumbles in the the first couple weeks here um, that have really hurt them, and and there's no you know no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, and this pass pass pro has not been phenomenal at times. Um, and specifically, you look at like Tyler Beach here. Um, can he match up with Aiden Hutchinson and keep him off of Mertz? Because if you're looking at a rock fight where it was probably going to be low scoring, what's going to swing a game is the special teams, the turnovers, and and things like that that put your offense in a position where it's like, hey, you can't mess this up. Um, so can this offensive line protect Mertz in a way that at least gives them a fighting chance? I think is, for me, the matchup. It is Aiden Hutchinson versus this line um, in so many ways. And I, I know that that's simplified, but you look at it in – Michigan has six and a half sacks this year, and um, and Aiden Hutchinson has five and a half of them, right? Like this, is, or uh, I should say, Michigan has seven sacks this year. Aiden Hutchinson has five and a half of them. So you're you, there's one guy that they they really need to circle here, and if they can keep him off the quarterback, it tremendously helps your chances everywhere else, and it can hopefully open up your passing game, which will in turn open up your rushing game and force Michigan to to not be able to stack 8-9 in the box and dare you to pass. Yeah, I think that's the, the matchup for the, the offense that you've got to watch for. I mean, the, the huge part of this Wisconsin offense conversation is the turnovers, but that's not really a, a matchup that you can look for. But there are players, a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, that can cause these type of havoc plays and tackle for losses and get in there to all of a sudden you know, make these turnovers happen or make uh, an opposing offense much more prone to them. So I think that's that's one key matchup that you, you certainly have to keep an eye on. You know, to flip sides for de- for the defense, it's going to be can Wisconsin make Cade McNamara, you know, similar, it's kind of a similar thing. It's going to be whichever defense can make the opposing quarterback have fits and whichever quarterback can hopefully make some plays and, and keep their offense in the game. I don't expect this game to be anything – different than what we've seen against Penn State and Notre Dame, that low-scoring rock fight where you're just trying to hang on and make sure that you don't make the mistakes. I think right now, Wisconsin fans, you hear that and you think, 
well, crap, we're, we're in a tough situation because there's been a lot of mistakes made. Um, but hopefully, you know, some of those numbers regress to the means and Wisconsin can clean that up. I'm not holding my breath, but it's going to come down to whichever quarterback can try and avoid the disruption and, and keep their team ahead of the chains and, and moving these drives, taking some clock off and, and eventually turning that into points because we've seen it time and time again. Wisconsin, while they have moved the ball sometimes and, and gotten into positive field position, they've, they've, they've killed, shot themselves in the foot by by turning the ball over. So it's going to come down to who can probably make less mistakes. And Wisconsin's made a lot of them. Michigan's the only team in the country that has not had a turnover offensively yet. So they haven't made a ton of them, but there's still time. And I know this Wisconsin defense will be looking to make some of those havoc plays and uh, and hang on and, and hopefully give themselves maybe some offensive positive field position would be uh, certainly a nice thing to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it would definitely – help this offense out a lot. And I think another big thing is just special teams. Like, mm-hmm. can special teams give this the offense a little bit of help? Um, and I, I, I know that um, Chandler did a couple had a couple nice returns. One got called back because of a hold um, or block in the back. I can't remember which one it was. But you look at this, and um, he, 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 he gives you a little bit something back there. I want to just – Hope that the punt return can help them out and that the field goal kicking continues to be strong. It's going to be a wet game. So fielding the ball um, in as a return man, as well as um, making sure to wrap up in tackling is going to be so crucial when you look at the, the, the current forecast of rain. So I think there's a lot of different pieces here that give the Badgers a chance. They've won six out of the last nine, but there, there's still a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of warts on this team in general. Yeah, and it's really, you know, those warts are things, you you know, you can preview and look at the matchups, but that those are things you really can't account for in terms of special teams glimpses or, you know, struggles and, and of course, offensive turnovers. Those are things you just don't really plan for, but hopefully they can avoid it. And if they do, you got to feel at least a little bit better about where this team is at and where the game is going. So uh, to move into our annual stuff that we do every week, let's go ahead and talk about players we'll be talking about come Sunday. I think every week you can say it's probably Graham Mertz because if he plays well, you know, you're going to be talking about that. And if he plays poorly again, maybe you're talking about Chase Wolf, like we mentioned at the beginning, because maybe there's a switch there. But who are some names that uh, you think Wisconsin will be talking about, or Wisconsin fans will be talking about uh, come Sunday? I'm going to go with Danny Davis. I think I think that he makes a play to really help out this passing game. He's he's had some phenomenal catches um, this year. You look at it, and I know it gets overlooked simply because um, he's had to make some of these catches based off the inaccuracies from the quarterback. But you look at it, and, and he's having a pretty good year right now, both statistically speaking, but also in terms of his contribution to this team. And and I think that he's going to have an opportunity because I do think Michigan's going to pack the box, dare Wisconsin to pass the ball. I do think that Danny Davis is going to make a play. He doesn't have a touchdown this year. He's he's looked pretty solid this season. I think that he's going to make a play to, to help this team out in a major way um, because I do think they're going to be able to run the ball. But I, but I think a lot of it is still going to have to come down to um, the, what happens outside against Michigan's cornerbacks and Graham Mertz's ability to get it to his weapons. I like that pick a lot. I'm going to go on a similar wavelength, and I'm going to say tight end Jake Ferguson. haven't seen too much from him, but it is Barry Alvarez day. He's the grandson. He's going to make a play. He's going to have something, and, and I think maybe um, throughout this week, 
they'll hopefully emphasize with Graham Mertz. You know, part of it is he, he's been a focal point for opposing defenses. It's been hard to get him open, and the one read pass offense right now it makes that a little bit tough. But I think he's a guy that could make a splash in this game in front of the home crowd and in front of uh, Grandpa as he gets his honorees. So it just seems like the line up there. Um, pretty well for, for Jake Ferguson. But, yeah, I, I think it's a similar wavelength of needing something in this past offense, needing one of these guys to rely on, but you also have to be able to get them um, the ball. So it will be interesting to watch for there. Uh, in terms of the defense, any per- guy particular you got your eye on, or is it just this unit is going to be just as good as it's been um, all season long and, and really just a collective effort from all of them? <laughs> I'm going to go with Matt Henningsen. I think I think he's a guy that doesn't necessarily get the credit that he deserves mm-hmm. uh, throughout his career. So far, he's already got four tackles for loss, two sacks. Right, He's been very active um, in this defensive front. And I, I think the same could be said from, from Benton. But I think that Benton, you see the physical tools there, that just the freak that he can be. Um, and so people usually will gravitate towards him. But I think that combination inside is going to have a, a nice – game against this Michigan front. They're going to be called upon frequently to stop the run. So I'm going to go with Henningsen. I think he's he's primed for a big game and, and, and a guy that I think really is is very deserving. I, I know he was put up for an award just today. Um, I think he's very de- deserving of, of plenty of recognition that he doesn't necessarily always get. Yeah, I like those picks a lot. Both of those two have been excellent all season long. I think for me, I'm going to go with Nick Herbig. I think Michigan, I said it earlier, is a team that hasn't had an offensive turnover. I think Nick Herbig's going to be a guy that gets in there, gets a quarterback hurry. I think this defense is going to get a some sort of big turnover that really swings the momentum, gets them in, in positive field position. We've been waiting for it. I know in that Penn State game, that Notre Dame game, you know, I, when I was with my family, we all kind of turned to each other and said, man, we really could use a, a turnover or a, not maybe not a pick six. doesn't have to be a scoop and score, but just something to – get this offense um, in positive field position. So I'm going to say Nick Herbig comes off the edge and, and makes a big play uh, to spark this Wisconsin and get them some some momentum and confidence as they move forward here and try to put some points on the board offensively. But I think all the players that we mentioned will be guys that you're, you're hoping to have big performances from because if you do, you're feeling good about um, the end result of this game. And uh, speaking of the end result, what do you think is going to be your score prediction for this week? This is a tough game. Um, I, Drew tweeted out, you know, the the fighting of neither team thinks they're going to win this game based off of a lot of different factors. Um, but you look at this, and I keep coming back to the fact that if Wisconsin doesn't turn the damn ball over, they're probably 3-0, and right? Like, you mm-hmm. just look at the numbers, and they were they – were, had a chance against Penn State multiple times in the red zone, fumbles, all sorts of miscues, interceptions. You look at the the Notre Dame game, same song and dance. Turnovers absolutely killed them. Um, And they were leading in the fourth quarter. Um, So I look at this and you think, Wisconsin got a shot, right? Like this is still a team that is a couple breaks their way uh, away from being 3-0. They still have a chance to win the West. I, I doubt that comes to fruition, but at the same time, it's a possibility if they can turn things around. So it's I would I hope that the Badgers win, but based off of what we've seen this season, 
I can't go with the Badgers. I'm going to go with Michigan because while I don't necessarily trust what Michigan has done this year, I don't necessarily trust Kate McNamara as a quarterback. I still think that this defense of Michigan is vulnerable and not nearly as um, as far removed from the struggles that they were last year under Don Brown. But right now, I, I just it's hard for me to say that Graham Mertz isn't going to have those turnovers and that mm-hmm. the special teams isn't going to have those blunders and and it's not going to be the same story on repeat. Um, right now, time's a flat circle for this team and, and hopefully they can change that. Um, and I think this is a week that if they do, it could propel them to better things the rest of the way. But maybe it's an anti-jinx, but I'm, I'm going with Michigan right now and, and I think it's Michigan close. Yeah, I agree with you. I think right now you're you're once again looking at a probably a repeat in some way, shape, or form of the of the other two games. You know, not counting the Eastern Michigan one that you've seen so far. Eleven o'clock kick, most likely a rock fight. Hopefully, um, Wisconsin can hang on to the ball, but we haven't seen it quite yet. And until we do, it's hard to to pick that way. So, um, I think the optimistic side of me thinks Wisconsin. You know somehow bounces back, finds a way to win this game like 17-14. to 14. But I could very much see that inverse and Wisconsin, you know, the defense keeps them in it, but Wisconsin once again struggles, shoots themselves in the foot, and they just fall short once again. Because like you mentioned, if they hang on to the ball, they probably win this game or win the, the, the last two contests with, uh, with Notre Dame and Penn State that way. So until we see it, you can't really buy into it, but – I'll go with my optimistic side for now, and we'll go 17-14 Wisconsin in another just disgusting football game. But I think eventually these turnover numbers and issues have to regress to to the mean, and um, I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed that this is the week that it happens. I love it. You keep it super positive. I'll just be super dark over here and just um, continue to think that it might be more of the same. I hope it's not. I This Badger team has plenty of talent. This is a team that, that, like I said, should be there. Like, there's just – they've got to figure it out. And it comes down to executing a, across all three phases of the game. Um, if, if, if they can do that, a win is within grasp in this game, especially the way that they've played Michigan the past few years. Absolutely. All right, well, that wraps up our Wisconsin and Michigan preview for our portion. So we'll go ahead and run down now through our Big Ten picks real quick. Um, Friday night, a huge contest. Undefeated Maryland playing host to undefeated Iowa. Should be a, a ton of fun to tune into that one in somewhat of a standalone game. Who do you like in that? Give me Maryland. I, I think I think right now you look at it and Tagovailoa might be one of the top two, three quarterbacks in I the entire. Dark horse. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw I saw I saw that somebody had put who was it that put him in there in their top five, and I was like, okay, let's not get too <laughs> carried away here. But but I do think that he's one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten. They have weapons outside to throw to in terms of, of Demas Jr. Um, so I, I think this is a team that can score on Iowa. Iowa has not been particularly good on offense, so I'm going to go with the team that has the better quarterback in here, and that's at home. So I think Maryland is, is going to pull off the upset. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think this Iowa team has gotten incredibly lucky in, force, in terms of um, forcing turnovers, getting points off turnovers. I think this offense, similar to Wisconsin's, um, stinks, flat-out stinks. And I think this Maryland uh, offense has enough to um, 
use those weapons on the outside and pull off an upset. So I really like the uh, the Maryland Terps to pick up a huge program-changing type of win uh, against the Hawkeyes on Friday night. All right, moving on down, Minnesota traveling to Purdue. Oh, my God, what a gross game. Of course, the Gophers trying to bounce back from a tough, tough loss to Bowling Green. Who do you like in an 11 a.m. battle of the sickos between Minnesota and Purdue? Yeah, 11 a.m. kicks in the Big Ten this week are, wow, they are sickening. Um, but I, I think Purdue. I'm going to go with the Boilermakers at home. They they just were able to eke by Illinois. I mean, I don't know if you saw that, but 13-9, to 9, like, if Purdue can muck up another one and get a W, I would not be surprised. So I'm going to go with the Boilermakers. I, I think you could – toss this game either way and and be right nine times out of ten. I'm going to go with Minnesota just simply because the loss last week, you would have to think, motivates them a little bit to, to try and bounce back against a Purdue team that really um, has been good defensively, but nothing, nothing. This game is going to be, I mean, I think Michigan-Wisconsin is going to be a rock fight, but that game might be absolutely horrendous. So I will go with with Minnesota right now. All right, up next, we've got um, another 11 a.m. kick. We've got Illinois taking on Charlotte. Uh, of course, the Illinois, one and four on the season after a strong start against Nebraska. Who do you like there? Don't forget that this Charlotte team is three and one. They they took down Duke, right? Like So this isn't like a terrible Charlotte team. They're not great. But I'm going to go with Illinois. I think that they're going to do just enough to, to get a win um, and and move on to a second win of the season. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I think you've got to at least hope that, you know, their expectations were a lot higher for this Illinois team, and so far they have not um, quite met that, but this would be a nice win for them to try and bounce back um, in that regard. All right, now we get into the 230s plate. We've got Ohio State traveling to Rutgers, battle of three and one teams. Who do you like there? I think this is all Ohio State. I think Rutgers will keep it a little closer than – people might expect, but I still think that Ohio State's going to be able to pull away from um, the Scarlet Knights. I would have to agree with you. It's how, I, I think Rutgers um, tries to hang along with it. They hung okay in the second half with Michigan, but I, I think Ohio State is still just too talented of a team uh, to fall in that spot. All right, now we get into the nightcap. A couple night games in there. We've got first up, we'll do Indiana and Penn State, of course, a thrilling game last year. Who do you like here? Do you happen to know what the spread is for that game? That is currently at Penn State um, laying 13 to the Hoosiers. Penn State's going to beat that number by a lot. I, I think <laughs> I think Penn State is absolutely going to drub Indiana this year for everything that happened last year. I, I think this Indiana team is not very good. We both pick Western Kentucky to win that game against Indiana last week, and they narrowly did. Yeah, they, they only, should have. Yeah, like that was the game that I think Western Kentucky should have won. Um, so I, I think that this is going to be one where Penn State cruises and absolutely puts up some style points on Indiana to to make a statement. I wholeheartedly agree on that one as well. If there's one coach in the Big Ten who plays to cover the spread and really keep the gas, um, you know, the pedal down, it's it's James Franklin and everything that happened last year with that game. I would expect this team to come out uh, very fired up. So I, I agree with you. I think Penn State um, comes out and rolls an Indiana team that is, is hanging on at 2-2, two and two, but certainly reeling a little bit from where they've been at compared to last year. All I would right. say this. Oh, go ahead. I will just say this. Wisconsin and Indiana this year 
um, are, are kind of like Spider-Man meme pointing at mm-hmm. each other where they've, they struggled in the games that they are supposed to, to, you know, put up a good fight against the ranked team and then been able to do whatever they needed to against the poor teams. So I think that, uh, you you look at it you on paper you'd think Indiana would be able to keep it a little closer but I just think I think when you look at the motivation for this Penn State just has so much um, to, more to play for in this one. Absolutely. All right. Our next six thirty slate. Oof. Northwestern traveling to Nebraska. Who do you like in that uh, another gross Big Ten West contest? I'll go with Nebraska. I mean things haven't looked great for Nebraska but they they've kept. You look at their schedule. They they beat Fordham well. They beat Buffalo well. Um, hung tight with Illinois, um, um, OU, and, and Michigan State. So I think that this is a Nebraska defense that will keep them into it, and I think that Adrian Martinez will do just enough to get them a win at home. Yeah, I, I just cannot side with this Northwestern team. I think they're all sorts of bad, and I've thought that uh, throughout the entire season. I think this Nebraska defense has been really good. It's just a matter of similar to Wisconsin. Hanging on to the football, Adrian Martinez finds new ways to turn it over left and right. Uh, him and Graham Mertz are kind of that Spider-Man meme uh, so far this season. So I'll go with Nebraska at home uh, to pull out a win against what I think is a fairly weak Northwestern team. All right, a non-conference game in the night slot as well. That same Western Kentucky team that played uh, tough with Indiana traveling to take on Michigan State. Who do you like there? Once again, I'm going to go with the Big Ten team here. I do think that Western Kentucky will be able to put up some points on Michigan State, but I do think that Michigan State will be able to do enough to get a W and um, and pull away. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, this one, uh, once again, I think Western Kentucky is a team that will, will hang in maybe the number of 11 right now, but I do think Michigan State finds a way to, um, you know, of course, pull this one out, out at the end. It'll be, I think, a good test for them. Um, going against Bailey Zappi and the uh, the Western Kentucky offense because they can, can certainly put up some yards and some points, uh, but it's just a matter of, of Michigan State, I think, eventually putting the clamps down and picking up a huge win. All right, guys, that wraps up our portion of the podcast. Stick with us now. We'll have a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into a little bit deeper look at the Michigan Wolverines with Anthony Broom. He, uh, he came on and talked all things um, Wolverines, where they're at, the optimism or uh, cautious optimism of the the Wolverine fan base. So stick with us through a couple uh, quick ad reads and we'll be back with you shortly. All right, Badger fans, we are now joined by Anthony Broom over from Maze and Brew. Make sure to go check them out if they if you're looking for an insider look at the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, of course, a big contest coming up this Saturday against Michigan. Uh, Anthony's been on our show a couple times now, it seems like, because we've played, you know, the last few um, since Matt and I have been doing the podcast, I think the last three years, so it's always good chatting with him about all things Michigan football. We were just chatting earlier. I know Wisconsin fans aren't super optimistic, and I know Michigan fans share a, a similar feeling about their fan or about their team um, throughout the season. So it should be fun to chat with him um, on everything in regards to this contest. That should be a an interesting one. We'll leave it at that. Um, but I always like to talk with you about expectations because I know Michigan football is is one that sometimes they're very feeling very good about their team. Sometimes it's down. I think coming into this season, it seemed like expectations were somewhat down after last year. But a 4-0 start may be trending back in the right direction. But I know some fans are probably cautiously 
um, moving about this. So what is the attitude toward Michigan football entering this uh, this huge game in Camp Randall? Yeah, well, I think heading into – and first of all, thanks for having me back. I feel like you and I speaking has been a little bit of a yearly tradition here. Yep, for sure. Week, so <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for having me. Uh, apparently I'm good enough to be back on, so thank you for that. But, yeah, I think heading into the Rutgers game for Michigan, which was last week, I think a lot of people were more or less like feeling cautiously optimistic about what this team could do. Um, you know, there have been concerns about – oh, they're running the ball too much, they're not throwing the ball enough. But when you're running the ball, and and I know I'm speaking to someone who understands this here, when you're running the ball for 350 yards a game, you kind of just have to keep doing that, right? You don't stray away from what works. So, um, you know, despite that, they've had some some decent uh, decent showings, passing. Uh, they, but, you know, I think lack of balance has been a little bit of a concern. And then last week, First half went pretty good for Michigan. Now, Rutgers, and this is something I said, you know, when I did the Rutgers podcast with uh, Aaron Brightman last week, was this was the first opponent, given that it's Big Ten play, where you have to be ready for a rock fight or for the brass knuckles and lead pipes to come out. You're not going to push anyone around. And Rutgers, you know, to their credit, uh, for most of that game, they took away the run and forced Michigan into – uh, the passing game. And in the first half, it looked great. Uh, the short passes, the RPO stuff, there were a couple of throws that went awry here and there, which would wind up making a difference later on in the game. But uh, I think the second half of Saturday's game has Michigan fans going from, again, cautiously optimistic that they can exercise this 20-year demon that is not being able to win at Camp Randall Stadium to, holy crap, we play like this Saturday – doesn't matter what uh, Wisconsin's record is. Like, we're going to get punched in the mouth. So it's this really weird, uh, like I said before you pressed record, despite the fact that Wisconsin has struggled out of the gate and, and your guys' offense hasn't looked great, um, they're still like – it seems like both fan base is under the impression that they're going to get uh, smacked around on Saturday. So it's a really interesting uh, dynamic at the moment. I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah, it's uh, right now. It just feels like this game is, is um, you know, sandwiched in between a, a weird spot for Wisconsin as they're trying to move forward and like trying to get to some things right, but another tough opponent uh, coming into Camp Randall. So I, I totally hear what you're saying in that regard. Um, you, you mentioned at the running game, four and zero record, largely been because of that dominating run game, a one-two punch between Blake Corum, Hassan Haskins. The Badger fans might be familiar with him. So how good has that duo been, and is is a good chunk of that success due to an offensive line that seems to be coming on really strong after last year having some some struggles up front? I mean, it, it starts with the offensive line for them. I think last year, and part of the reason that I think their offensive line was so poor last year is that, and, and I, I feel like the coaching staff even said this at a certain point in the season, is that due to COVID, there's starting offensive line wasn't even practicing together during the week. They weren't in meetings together during the week. They'd be in split squads. So if someone got infected, it wouldn't wipe out the entire group. So for a lot of those guys, seemingly when you took the field on Saturday, that was the first time they'd been on the field with each other all week. And if we know anything about offensive lines, and I know Wisconsin fans do, chemistry is almost more important than the individual talent that each guy has. And what Michigan did this offseason was uh, it didn't seem like the communication was that great last year. So Ed Warner doesn't get retained. They slide uh, 
uh, Sharon Moore from tight ends down to offensive line, which uh, he was a former college offensive lineman. He blocked for Adrian Peterson at Oklahoma. So a guy who who knows the position. He, you know, he cut his teeth in the coaching game, coaching the tight ends, but it, it wasn't really a big transition for them. And kind of the mentality for them this offseason has been, listen, anything we do offensively has to start with us up front. And I, it helped to have a spring football, which nobody had last year. It helped to have a – a training camp that was not truncated or started and then stopped and started again because of COVID. So I think this this um, improved communication and really improved repetition from last year has done wonders for them. And they've got some really good guys, um, set the tone type of guys in that room as well. So, I mean, for me, it all starts with the offensive line. Now, pass protection-wise, I think those guys still need some work, but they haven't passed the ball a ton because they haven't had to. Um, and it's this weird thing, too, where, like, there is a knowledge among the Michigan fan base, and, and even beyond that, people who look at what Jim Harbaugh's Michigan is right now. Like, it's a program that, fair or not, is always going to be put up against what Ohio State does. And if Michigan is going to be the type of team that competes with Ohio State, you just can't do the bully ball stuff all the time. So I think a lot of people are, are cognizant of the fact that eventually this – they're going to have to be a little more explosive through the air uh, offensively. But it's this weird juxtaposition of that, plus Jim Harbaugh's pay was cut in half this offseason. And in order for him to get back what he was making, they have to win a lot of football games. And right now, I think what you're seeing with them is kind of a back-to-basics approach. They're they're trying to, you know, they said all offseason, we're going to get back to what we do well, which is uh, play well in the trenches and run the football. And, and they've done a really good job with that. And I think from there, the job, on it's incumbent upon them to peel back layers of the offense because guess what? We both know Wisconsin is going to load the box on Saturday, and you're going to have to make some throws here and there. So um, it's just this, they're in this really weird spot as a program where they need to stack up as many wins as they can, like getting to eight, nine, whatever that threshold is for this year, like eight or nine wins is a must. It has to happen. But then when you compare it to the previous six seasons of the Jim Harbaugh era, that's kind of what – they've been a 10-win team a couple times, but they've kind of topped out at that eight or nine range, and that hasn't been good enough. So it's like weighing what could be a good foundation for next year, and Michigan fans are so tired of the wait till next year stuff, versus you know winning as many games as you can win right now. So, again, it's uh, it all starts up front with them. And that's, I mean, so far so good. I mean, they, they got pushed around a little bit on Saturday, but uh, I feel like even good teams have at least one or two games like that every year. So it's it's impossible to know what, what that looks like until they play more football games. We need more data, I guess. It's a great way to put it, and I like what you mentioned about the uh, the offensive line cohesion. I know Wisconsin is a lot of fans are scratching their head right now with the, the some of the rotation that the, the Badgers have had up front. So it's, I think that part is a huge benefit. But uh, the other part of the offense is, of course, uh, quarterback, which is a hot conversation here, especially in Madison. Uh, but over at Michigan, it's been Cade McNamara, and he's been, I would say, really good so far in, in his play. I know, the, like you mentioned, they haven't had to throw it a ton, but completing – 62% of his passes, and the big thing that Wisconsin fans would start, would salivate over is zero turnovers. Michigan's, I believe, the only team in the country to not have an offensive turnover quite yet. So Badger fans would, would probably trade for that in a heartbeat because if they had that, you know, you're looking at probably a 3-0 and start going into this game against a 4-0 and Michigan team. So 
How has Cade McNamara looked? What more do you want to see from him? And has his play kind of quieted the the, the little crowd that's calling for, um, of course, five-star quarterback J.J. McCarthy behind him? Well, it hasn't the, the <laughs> it hasn't quieted anything. Uh, you know, J.J. came out in the first game and threw – one of the most impressive, like, again, it's garbage time, and they were playing Western Michigan, so, so who's a good MAC team, but again, it's a MAC team, um, had a pretty impressive throw that kind of kind of has everyone going, oh, my God, this kid's for real. Uh, but obviously, you know, there, there's still work to be done there. Um, but Cade McNamara, I think what he's done, again, I think he's done the two things that this Michigan staff, and it's not necessarily how I feel about how to judge the position, but how they feel about it, is he's done the two things that they value most, is that, one, they're winning football games. They're 4-0. And two, like you said, he hasn't turned over the football. Now, for me, when you look at what this Michigan offense wants to be when it does throw the ball, uh, if you're going to be, you know, you go through his passing attempts, 11, 15, 11, 16. So he's, like, at most so far thrown 16 passes in, in a game. And when you do that, when you throw so little, your margin of error is that much less as well. And what we've seen with him so far is that, you know, namely in – it's been like an every other game thing. Like the first game he goes 9 for 11. Third game he goes 8 for 11. Against Washington he goes 7 for 15. Against Rutgers he goes 9 for 16. And I think what I've seen there is just just a little bit late with Reims, just a little bit off on timing, um, not super far off with accuracy, but a couple balls that have kind of sailed on him. And – you know, for him, it, for Michigan's offense, what they want to be when, when things are humming is, you know, a quick strike type of West Coast, um, you know, we're talking slants and screens and, and that type of offense. And when you, you just have to make some of those throws. And his completion percentage right now, again, small sample size, a couple weird stat lines in there so far. He's completed about 62% of his throws. In this offense, Michigan probably needs him to be somewhere around, like, at the very least, maybe 67, 68%. If it's really humming along, you're looking at probably like in a 70% range. So um, it's just, for him, it's just a matter of, and I think it's been a positive with him even since, um, you know, he comes in. His Really his first extended look was the garbage time of that Wisconsin game last year. He comes in, he leads a couple good drives, and then does the same thing against Rutgers, leads a comeback win, uh, gets hurt against Penn State. But – what we've seen from him is that, one, he's, he's fairly poised. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. Um, he's good at running an offense. And uh, obviously last last week's second half throws this off a bit. But uh, if you chart all the drives that he's had since becoming, you know, he wasn't officially the starter until the last game of, of the year that Michigan would play last year, and it was only a half of football because he got injured anyways. Uh, but if you go back and you chart these drives, you know, I feel like well over 50% of the drives he's been in the game for have either ended in touchdowns or, or points of some kind. Like he's been, done a really good job just running the offense and giving and taking what he sees. Now he could take some more chances down the field. I feel like he's missed a few, but um, I don't think he's far off. It's not like last year where Michigan had Joe Milton and you know there's a guy open down the field and he's he's launching the ball to the golf course across the street from the stadium. It feels like he's close, and, and that, I know that's frustrating for Michigan fans to hear, but um, the only way you get better was, is with more reps, and uh, I, I know people are feeling uneasy, and, and I'm certainly in a camp where I'm not sure what things will look like on Saturday, but you have all these concerns, and you go into 
one of the toughest environments in the Big Ten, let alone you know, all of college football. I, I get why people are concerned, but you also – I don't think they're quite ready to throw a true freshman into that environment either. So here we go. It's Cade McNamara at Wisconsin on Saturday. Yeah, it should be an interesting uh, test for sure. I know it's the first road game for Michigan this season. Of course, he played um, in that familiar environment against the Badgers. So it's uh, it makes a ton of sense to be – again, I think the, the term that we keep throwing around or getting close to is cautiously optimistic, and I could see that situation for a lot of different levels in this game. Um, flipping to the defense now, it's been pretty good uh, across the board from at least everything that I've seen with Michigan. But the big story is, of course, Aiden Hutchinson, who last year – um, I think he only played in a couple games, right, because of injury? Yeah, I believe he played in, like, maybe two, two games last okay. year. Yeah. I, I thought he was a little bit banged up. I couldn't remember what the injury was. But how big is it to have him back? Because I know last year the, the getting the pressure on the quarterback, you know, that kind of slowed the entire defense down a little bit. You know, the secondary, it seemed like, in that Wisconsin game, the guys were just trying to stay in coverage forever. So how big is it to have – that force back on the defensive line to kind of lead that unit once again. I mean, it's it's everything to them right now. I mean, he is he is the motor. He's the straw that stirs the drink for that defense. Uh, you know, the injury was rough. I thought a lot. Of, I think a lot of people thought that after he got injured, it's like, well, he's not coming back to risk his health for another Michigan season. But he did. Uh, he came back. He not that he ever wasn't in shape, but. Uh, the, the video of some of his workouts are insane, where he's you know, lifting uh, lifting barbells with one arm, and it's just he's a total freak, and he's he looks like he looks every bit the uh, you know like a maybe a first round pick. I think maybe if the draft were today, he would be. We'll see what the process is like for him, but I think what's helped with him too is that you know Michigan has installed this Baltimore Ravens type of defense where they're playing. Uh, primarily out of two- and three-man fronts. Aiden Hutchinson slimmed down a little bit to 260. He's in that 260, 265 range, and he's kind of, you know, he's been rushing from a linebacker position. He's been dropping into coverage. He's been, um, you know, he has put his hand in the dirt and rushed from the defensive line. So uh, his versatility has been on display, too, and he's taken that to heart. He's taken the leadership role to heart, um, you know, and he got his body right. He's he's healthy. He's playing really well. and like I said, there's there he wants he wants it all. He wants he wants to win. He wants to be drafted high. Um, and you like there's a palpable energy with him through the rest of that defense. And honestly, I mean, uh, Daxton Hill's a, a guy on that back end who is extremely talented as well. But um, you pull Aiden Hutchinson off this defense, and I think it's kind of a chain reaction that affects each level of the defense. So I mean, he is playing the best football he's played so far. And, you know, the, I know the stack numbers, like, um, you know, it's not it's not something that would always scream, oh, my God, this guy's an elite pass rusher. But he is always in the backfield. And, like, the, it, it's actually surprising when he's not in the backfield is how well he's played so far this year. So it's been so fun to watch uh, him develop and, you know, just kind of blossom into the player he's become. I think he's he's – got a bright, bright future ahead of him. 
Yeah, he he looks like um, and never, in the glimpses that I've seen, he looks like a force to be reckoned with uh, over there. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned it. it looks like he's in shape because I saw a couple pictures and videos as well, and I was like, man, he he looks cut and and ready and hungry for um, this this grueling Big Ten season. So uh, like you mentioned. The, the straw that stirs the drink is certainly a good analogy for him. You also mentioned Daxton Hill, which is uh, another phenomenal player for Michigan in the secondary. Um, who are some other names that Badger fans should be aware of defensively? Because I think Wisconsin fans feel good about what their defense is going to do, but the main concern is, man, how are we going to try and survive uh, and weather the storm against uh, a strong you know, top-to-bottom Michigan defense? Yeah, I mean, it starts, again, we've talked about how it starts up front. I think another guy who's played really well for for them, uh, he's in his junior season now. Is Mozzie Smith, who's kind of been manning down the, um, you know, manning down the the down lineman in in terms of what his role has been. Uh, it's another guy who you're not gonna, you know, in, when you're in this two and three man front type of defense, the numbers are never gonna pop off the page or look sexy. But um, what he does just opens things up for everyone else, and he's playing the best football of his career right now. Josh Ross, that linebacker, talk about another guy who stirs the drink. Um, I was a captain. He actually was injured uh, for most of last week's game, and when he wasn't on the field, Rutgers was giving Michigan a hell of a scare. So that's another guy who, and it looks like he'll be back on the field for Saturday. That's not a big concern right now. Um, you know, he's playing the best football of his career. From there, again, talked about Daxton Hill. Secondary to me is probably like that's probably when I look at this game, the the position group that has the chance to turn this game the most in either direction. Um, you know, Wisconsin got pretty much whatever they wanted against Michigan last year. And I still think the defensive back position is still probably my biggest, like my biggest, I think they're the most talent deficient there. I'm trying to, to be nice about it, but um, you know, they don't force a ton of turnovers and, Wisconsin and Graham Mertz have turned the ball over a lot this year. So who's going to win that matchup? I mean, if, if Michigan can't get to the quarterback and take advantage of uh, of a quarterback who's kind of just throw, closing his eyes and throwing the football right now, that's going to be a problem for them. Now, it, it's always – whenever Michigan goes on the road, I feel like I've seen it before where they've had units with Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich and Devin Bush uh, on one team, and then you just get off the bus and – You've got that deer in the headlights look. So for me, when I look at this Michigan defense, is how do you play? How are you going to play when you're not feeding off that energy from the crowd? Now they'll they'll tell you they can communicate better, but uh, we'll see what happens. I, I again, I, it's so weird to say that a month into this this Michigan season, four four weeks into it, there's not a lot outside of them being able to run the ball as well as well as they have, and this new defense kind of coming together. I think a little, little more quickly than I thought it would. They're still not elite by any stretch, but I thought there would be a, a few more growing pains early on, and there certainly could be Saturday. I mean, this is a Michigan team that made Rocky Lombardi at Michigan State look like Pat Mahomes last year. So there's still kind of that, again, cautious optimism, and there's like an unknown, like what what is this team actually? So um, it's just crazy. Like this is going to be the game where we finally, as Michigan fans, get the type of answers that, you know, are are either confirmed or denied or reset what the expectations are moving forward. All right, to round this out, I'll ask you, because I think we've got a good kind of an idea of where your expectations are. So what are your 
what's kind of the thing that you'll really be watching for? What are your feelings about the game? And if you um, are, are willing to give us a score prediction for this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be watching for, I think I kind of hit on this. I, I want to see Michigan pass the ball with some modicum of success and, and at least make Wisconsin respect respect that. Like That's going to be a huge key to this game is getting Wisconsin to respect what Michigan has through the air because I don't know if anyone really has so far. Um, but Michigan says they'll be ready for it. They say they're ready to peel, you know, they're, they know they'll have to be a little more balanced and peel things back. So we'll see about that. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I think I just kind of hit on it. Like, are you going to, you know, regardless of how you guys feel about Wisconsin, like we still know that there are talented players on that offense and it's, it's struggled, but you know, one, you're at home, uh, one bad, uh, one bad play here and there can, can turn the tide of a football game. Like, I'll put, I said this earlier too. Each fan base is coming into it thinking they're going to lose by multiple touchdowns. I think this game will be much closer than that. I think this will be probably another one of those classic Big Ten type of bar fight games. Um, I'll, and, but for me personally, I just I have to because Michigan has struggled so often on the road, especially in these tough environments. Now. A lot of times it comes against ranked teams. Wisconsin is in that right now, but they were heading into the year. And, and we just we know, like, if nothing else, Wisconsin is a known commodity in terms of the type of game you're going to get yourself into, the type of things you're going to see on offense and defense. Uh, um, you know, and also, like, we know that Wisconsin is the type of defense that's – first of all, they're still elite. And second of all, uh, those guys like to bring pressure from all over the place. So – that and the noise, how's that going to overwhelm Michigan? I don't know. I just I have to give, and I'll be I'll be the bad guy. It's fine. I have to give Wisconsin the edge here. It's it'd probably be by a field goal, uh, you know, giving them the home field advantage. But I don't know. Give me like a 23-20 type of game. That feels like that feels accurate. That feels like it could be right. I, I hope I hope if Michigan loses, it's like that. If they lose and it's like it has been the last couple times. It's gonna make uh, my job a lot more difficult to try and sell <laughs> to try and sell some sort of hope for the rest of the year. So um, I'm not ready for rage clicks yet, but I do think that this will be a very tight Wisconsin win. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think you put it well there. I think it w- I think Wisconsin fans would sign up for 23 points um, and, and probably feel great about if they can get to that point. That they feel good about the game, but it's just a matter of of getting there. Um, so, but either way, it'll be a, a very interesting matchup, and I'm going to guess at the end of it, one fan base will be, um, you know, either unhappy either way, depending on who comes out the loser. But that's why you play the game. Uh, it should be a fun one. I expect kind of the same thing. That uh, that bar fight seems to be a fight that Wisconsin likes to have, um, or at least from what we've seen so far this season. I wouldn't expect anything different, but. Anthony, as always, great talking to you. Thank you for for joining us. Uh, we always love having you on it and talking to Michigan football. I don't know if does Michigan and Wisconsin play again next year. Or is this the last time? I think this is the last time. For I a think bit, it is too. Yeah, I think going forward, I think the Badgers have that uh, that lovely for, team from up in Ohio the, the next few years. So that should be fun. Well, which I'll say for both of our sake. <laughs> Thank God. I think we're all ready to see something different, right? There you go. There you go. Well, always good talking to you. We appreciate it. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Of course, you guys too. All right, Badger fans, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. We'll be back with you next week on Wisconsin. (laughs) 